This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. I want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the station, its staff, or underwriters. Time will be made available for other viewpoints. Thank you for joining us. And our upcoming hour of programming is brought with support for KMUD coming in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water-soluble. Information available at Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup at gmail.com and by phone at 707-223-1569. And Kema thanks our business underwriters for their continued support. We encourage our listeners to patronize the establishments that help sustain their favorite radio station. For this underwriting information, or for underwriting information in general, please contact BR Graham at 923-2513. And now we have Ask Your Herb Doctor. Hi, and welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. And my name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Uh, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m., we're both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and we recommend herbal medicines and dietary advice. Well, it's again, I just want to reiterate that uh, it's become increasingly obvious over the last few years that if you really want to get the point across, you cannot just mention it once or twice. Uh, but that... Uh, remind people of the same subject and uh, bring out the science and the uh, well, the proof, if you like, of what it is that uh, is counter-culture is a good way to refresh people's memories that often what they hear and what they see is not always the way it is and actually uh, there's more to it than meets the eye and that it's up to us individually to take responsibility for our own actions and our own decisions by seeing the broader picture and uh, finding the information that is out there freely available if only we would look. I often end the end of the show with the, uh, the phrase, to those who have ears, let them hear. Well, for those of us who have eyes and ears, let us see and hear what there is out there. Um, again, the program will be uh, yeah <laughs> what's the word 
spiced up. And uh, I can't say that in any other ways than we're very pleased to have Dr. Raymond Pete with us here again for this month's show and uh, to bring his wisdom and his research uh, to bear upon the subjects that which don't always seem to be the way that we would uh, have been told the way they are. But um, like I said, you repeat the question or repeat the, uh, repeat the uh, solution more than once and time and time again, it suddenly begins to become uh, more of a reality, and especially when it's backed up with science uh, to counter the supposed science that wants to tell us the other way is the way it is. So, uh, Dr. Pete, thank you so much for joining us again. Hi. Uh, first of all, I think, as always, uh, there are people here who just have never heard us before. Uh, maybe they haven't heard of you either, but um, I'm not too sure about that. Would you like to just describe your academic and research background for the benefit of any new listeners? Okay. Um, following on what you were just talking about, uh, my uh, academic career went from linguistics to biology, and there was a continuity of, of a sort uh, from uh, studying grammar and the structure of language to thinking about strictly biological questions. Uh, in linguistics, I was concentrating on how culture interacts with the structure of language. Uh, I was seeing the evolution over hundreds and hundreds of years of understanding in the culture as being what shapes the way the grammar itself of language works. And uh, for various reasons, I switched over to biology, uh, thinking to understand the brain better, uh, the brain as the organ that carries culture and language. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into biology and went from uh, brain work to uh, reproductive physiology, uh, I was still interested in those questions of how the context uh, interacts with the structure. Uh, the, uh, the focus on language made me see that there is an identity between the, the surrounding culture and the uh, mm -hmm. physical structure of the language. And then going from the brain to other aspects of physiology, I saw that uh, the environment is a part of the organism. Uh, so that accounts for my orientation in biology, that uh, it's um, really concentrating on the interaction moment by moment between uh, the animal and the environment. How, I think before we get started on to uh, a continuation of last month's uh, subject, which were uh, surrounding sugars um, and the debunking of the cholesterol uh, heart disease myth, um, this, this month's show is going to be a continuation of last month's show, Dr. Pete, on the sugars uh, and how beneficial they are, uh, just to uh, highlight the particular sugars uh, that we're going to be looking at that are beneficial without doubt and there's plenty of research to back it up uh, as is fructose as a fruit sugar but before we get into that I think it would be uh, useful if for no other reason than for me to understand that you've spent 20 to 25 years or 30 years uh, researching 
the areas of academic science that you were involved in doing your PhD, which was around hormones uh, and their interactions. How often do you find... I think find it's more like 40 years. Four, sorry 40, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Well, 40 years. That's a compliment, Dr. Pete. You're, he thinks you're younger than you are. <laughs> okay. How, how often do you find that the uh, mainstream science conflicts with the evidence that you find? Oh, um, well, <laughs> that was a constant, almost daily uh, experience in my uh, attending lectures. Uh, the, um, I was really surprised any time a professor said anything that I thought really related meaningfully to the biological facts. Uh, there was a, a book that was used as a text in genetics. It was called Classical Papers in Genetics. And reading through that, I couldn't find any case in which the facts were uh, honestly presented, it, it was really a, a little handbook of ideology. And uh, my experience with the, the academic science people uh, was that they are very heavy on ideology, very light on facts. Um, I almost never saw a science professor in the science library, and I spent uh, many years uh, every day uh, reading in the library. I, I think I saw maybe four professors. Uh, two of them I saw more than once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. All right, well, let's get into the, uh, into the meat of uh, this month's continuing program on uh, sugars. And, uh, again, just to reiterate the fact that the, um, gosh, the lies, I think it was Adolf Hitler said that if you... Uh, you have to make a lie colossal enough and repeat it often enough for people to really believe it as truth. Um, so it's not just small lies, but sometimes colossal lies that are, are put out there that uh, are certainly, certainly things we have to watch out for when we hear whatever we hear. So let's go on to, uh, to the sugars. You, um, for the benefit of our listeners, you have a, a bi, I think it's bi-monthly newsletter, isn't it, that you produce mm -hmm. yeah okay and um the last newsletter actually uh, we just received it it was uh, on sugars and there was uh, i know that you've always um your father had diabetes and that was a, a personal uh, experience upon which you you uh, you were interacting the there was a statement in your one in your newsletter towards the uh, last part of it that the um the addition of fructose to glucose uh, during uh, infusion, intraportal infusion, um, increased the net glucose uptake, even when the insulin secretion was compromised, as in a, as a diabetics. Uh, yeah, they refer to that <coughs> as a, a catalytic property of fructose. It, uh, it doesn't just increase the uh, metabolism and uptake of glucose, but it increases the whole metabolism of the animal. In several types of experiments, they've seen a 50% increase in the whole metabolic rate. And that's basically why I have, I'm so interested in the effects of fructose, because uh, the, the research I did at the university had to do with aging 
oxidative metabolism and uh, the uh, the perversion of oxidative energy production with aging and with various toxins, hormones, and uh, unsaturated fats and so on. And the thyroid hormone is what uh, basically distinguishes uh, humans from uh, fungus and bacteria and such. Uh, the, the higher development of the brain goes, the more oxidative uh, energy production is needed. Right. And uh, the development of a baby's brain prenatally is very closely tied to the uh, amount of glucose it metabolizes. You restrict the glucose to the baby and the brain is smaller. You feed it extra glucose and the brain is bigger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can I just, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Dr. Pete, but for our listeners, just go over a little bit of sugar science here. Um, everybody's familiar with the white sugar, and that's sucrose, which is half fructose, because you've mentioned fructose now, and also half glucose. And then all fruits contain approximately the same ratio of fructose and glucose as white sugar. It's half half fructose, half glucose. And then uh, other sources of carbohydrates like <clears throat> grains, beans, starches, any other carbohydrate-like food, bread, pasta, potatoes, root vegetables, they are almost all glucose. So they're, they're devoid of the fructose. It's easy to remember fructose because it sounds kind of like fruit. <laughs> yeah, and the only place fructose slows down uh, glucose is in the absorption from the intestine. Uh, the fructose itself is, is slow to be absorbed compared to glucose. And so if you eat starch, uh, like white rice or white bread, uh, you'll get a, a very sharp increase in the amount of glucose in the blood that'll stimulate insulin to handle that rising glucose and that stimulates cortisol to uh, prevent the uh, reverse reaction from too much uh, insulin and not enough uh, sustained glucose. But when you eat sugar, the, um, the glucose half is broken off and the fructose lags a little bit in being absorbed. And that's why it's a safer sugar for diabetics, fructose or white sugar or fruits. Yeah, and so the glucose from the fructose gets absorbed, and then the uh, smaller amount of of fructose coming in accelerates the uh, absorption of the glucose by the various tissues, not just the liver, but brain, kidney, heart, everything. And uh, so it's fulfilling some of insulin's responsibility without having to call on the insulin. But it actually, under some circumstances, can inhibit the release of insulin so that it uh, prevents the spiking of insulin and uh, takes care of insulin's work in in the relative absence of insulin. So because... um Again, to explain to our listeners, a diabetic's problem is that they have high sugar, a lot of sugar in their blood, and they need their cells to pick that up. And when the fructose is combined with the glucose, the fructose is actually helping the cells pick up 
the glucose as well as the fructose. Is that what you're explaining, Dr. Pete? Uh, yeah, it, it uh, stimulates the cells to take up uh, glucose very much the way insulin does. And in fact, you can't distinguish the effects on some of the crucial enzymes that handle the absorption and use of glucose. Uh, fructose and the pyruvic acid that it turns into stimulate the enzymes that uh, oxidize uh, pyruvic acid just the same way insulin stimulates that same enzyme. So uh, they're uh, really, one replaces the other perfectly. And if a diabetic eats a um, whole grain or beans or any other starchy type of foods, then they don't have the same um, ability to yep. use that sugar because it's mainly in the form of glucose, and so then they end up with elevated sugar numbers. And we, elevated insulin <coughs> to, to handle that. Or not if they're in, insulin yep. dependent. Yep. But the funny thing, I think, that just to go back to this counterculture, is diabetics are told avoid orange juice, avoid sugar, white sugar, and eat whole grains. And that's exactly the opposite of what I've seen work in our um, clinic with diabetics because when diabetics avoid the grains and the starches, even if they're whole grains and beans and root vegetables, and they eat the honeys, the white sugars, and the fruits, their sugar numbers become much more manageable. Um, yeah, it was in 1874 that someone first published a paper on the fact that fructose is metabolized by diabetics where glucose isn't. And at the same time, people were applying the use of sucrose therapeutically for diabetics. But after the publication of the paper showing that diabetics can metabolize fructose, uh, it was fairly common for people to uh, recommend use of fructose or sucrose to diabetics rather than plain glucose. It's just, I think another thing, too, that happens with sugary foods is you don't often find a food that just has white sugar or honey in it. It's usually a sugar or honey with a carbohydrate, and that's where I think the diabetics get into problems with eating so-called sweet foods. And worse than that, the uh, <coughs> polyunsaturated fats are very often combined uh, as shortening in uh, bakery products, for example. Right. Okay, so that brings us to our good example and our bad example of sugar and fat because then, of course, the sugar needs to be eaten with a fat, uh, fat as well as a protein, which is what one of our listeners um, asked me specifically to talk about tonight. Um, the enzyme I mentioned before, pyruvic dehydrogenase, which is activated by insulin or by uh, fructose to handle the oxidation of, of glucose, uh, that happens to be activated also by saturated fatty acids, but it's inhibited by polyunsaturated fatty acids. And the uh, big overall diet change in the U.S. over the last 40 years has been, contrary to what a lot of people are saying, it's been a slight decrease in sugar, uh, a slight increase in starch consumption, and a big 7% increase in added fats to foods. And most of those fats are uh, 
unsaturated because of the the fear of saturated fats. So and the cheapness now it's a cheapness, isn't it? The corn oil and safflower oil, all those unsaturated fats, canola, everything, but every liquid vegetable oil apart from olive oil, basically, is a is hectares and hectares. And right. Already in the 1960s, the polyunsaturated fats were recognized to be the diabetogenic factors. Uh, they interfere with the ability to oxidize glucose. It's more recently that they've seen that uh, they specifically inhibit the enzyme which is activated by fructose and insulin. And don't they also um, destroy the pancreatic beta cells that produce the insulin? Oh, yeah. It, uh, every place you look, the polyunsaturated fats uh, contribute to diabetes and, and obesity. That's, that's a good point in question. Now, Dr. Pete, what's, uh, what's your opinion on the possibility of regenerating uh, islet cells in the pancreas? Uh, sugar itself, sucrose, is known to uh, stimulate <laughs> the regeneration of beta cells. Wow. Uh, that was in my newsletter about a year ago, uh, describing the early uh, treatment of diabetes with, with glucose and then looking at the uh, new in vitro studies in which sugar stimulates the regeneration and polyunsaturated fats kill the beta cells. And sugar often gets the blame for many other things that the polyunsaturated fats do, such as the glycation of hemoglobin, Mm -hmm. which they measure as an HbA1c. But uh, most of the glycation, so-called, is really the oxidative breakdown fragments of the polyunsaturated fats. So a person's HbA1c, then, for example, could be lowered if they avoided <coughs> all poly, polyunsaturated oils. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they'll be able to use their sugars better. So we came up with a really bad example of a way to eat sugar, <laughs> and that's a donut fried in um, canola oil <laughs> or sunflower oil right. or corn oil. Hold that. Hold that thought a minute, because I know you probably go straight on to... just want to let people know that you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Galvaville 91.1 FM. And from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated, to this month's Part 2 subject on sugar. And Dr. P is our guest uh, speaker. Um, and so, Sarah, you'd like to carry... Oh, I better give a number out. Sorry, I'm rushing ahead. A <laughs> number, if you live in the area, is 923-3911. And if you live outside the area, it's 1-800-KM-UD-RAD. That's uh, 1-800-568-3723. So a really bad example would be, you know, a donut made from white flour with um, also lots of fat in the donut. I think donut mixtures also have fat, so probably Mm -hmm. would be shortening, which would be a corn oil, hydrogenated corn oil or something. And then fried in a liquid vegetable oil. <laughs> so you not only have pure glucose, but then you have um, pure polyunsaturated <coughs> fatty acids that can't, that are blocking your cells using any of that pure glucose. And a good example, Dr. Pete said, was um, ice cream with fruit, fresh fruit. Very so pra- there you go. There's a the saturated fat and the fruit took yeah. the fructose. Very practical application. Okay, well, another question for you, Dr. Pete. Um, also, there was a, another part in your article that caught my attention, and um, it was surrounding fat peroxidation, so oxidation in, of, uh, of fats 
involved in the uh, degenerative disease process. Um, despite the fructose increasing the production of uric acid, and you mentioned uric acid was a uh, endogenous, that is, we manufacture it ourselves, um, anti-inflammatory. It's considered to be our main uh, antioxidant. Oxidant, sorry. And uh, uh, most of the uh, inflammatory signals come from oxidative breakdown uh, products. And so uh, it's our basic antioxidant and uh, a major anti-inflammatory factor. But the breakdown of these polyunsaturates or the oxidation of those has a very strong inflammatory effect. Is that... Uh, is that uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the, um, the fish oil type uh, breaks down much faster than the seed oils. And uh, by the time it gets from your food into your bloodstream, there is so much uh, free radical activity that it poisons... Uh, some of your enzymes involved in immunity. And it's the anti-immune uh, suppressive effect that uh, people see as an anti-inflammatory effect right. of the uh, fish oil type mm -hmm. of fats. The other, the seed oil fats, uh, don't even have that temporary uh, toxic apparent benefit. <laughs> flat-out inflammatory. <laughs> okay. And then um, the, the last, uh, the last um, point that caught my attention was that, and this is a specific uh, piece of experimentation that conclusively showed this effect, and that was that people that were given a 300-calorie uh, drink containing uh, gl either glucose or fructose or OJ, orange juice, separately, so 300 calories containing glucose or fructose or orange juice, those that received the glucose had a large increase in the uh, oxidative inflammatory stress uh, producing reactive oxygen species and a product uh, nuclear factor kappa beta but it was absent in those receiving the 300 calorie drink with just fructose or just OJ um, so, yeah that has lots of ramifications uh, including the immune system which they were looking at, at some white blood cells, but bone cells are very responsive to the difference in carbohydrate. And uh, about uh, 35 years ago, uh, someone fed different groups of rats uh, either a high starch diet or a high uh, sugar diet. I, I think it was sucrose in that case. And uh, gave uh, two of the groups a vitamin D deficient diet and another group uh, got the vitamin D and the standard uh, food ration uh, and uh, after the, they had been on that diet for a while they tested the strength of their bones and the vitamin D diet uh, deficient diet that got starch had the rickets-type bones, uh, poorly uh, calcified, uh, weak, and uh, basically uh, defective, as you would expect from a vitamin D deficiency. But those on the high sucrose diet without vitamin D had 
strong, well-calcified bones. Surprisingly, hmm. uh, it, it apparently was the increased carbon dioxide production from the catalyzed higher metabolic rate, uh, and the, the carbon dioxide is largely responsible for proper calcification of bone. Wow. So does, does a higher CO2 content actually um, <coughs> allow uh, extracellular calcium to move into, into bone stores? Uh, yeah, the first uh, bone material laid down is calcium carbonate, even though later it turns to uh, a, a phosphate compound. Uh, and uh, in vitro experiments showed that uh, you can have uh, an acidic condition uh, as long as it's based on carbon dioxide as the acid. Mm -hmm and have strong bones, and uh, the same amount of lactic acid, uh, pH, uh, will cause uh, interruption and dissolution of the bones. So it's the, the fact that uh, starch tends to uh, produce a, a shift towards lactic acid rather than carbon dioxide. Now this is why you say that um Oxidative exercise, like aerobics or jogging, is bad for you because the um, the stress that that causes is uh, counterproductive to calcium uh, being laid down. Um, yeah, uh, exercise coaches it has taken about 40 years for the science to get to the trainers, but uh, the East Europeans were the first ones to uh, limit the training their athletes did, and they, they won a lot of Olympic medals by under-training. <laughs> because the, the, whole, the whole aerobic exercise puts too much stress on the body. Yeah, the um, testosterone goes down and the cortisol goes up, and you lose tissue and speed and coordination. So do they do some uh, different type of exercise for their athletes? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Cutting the exercise short before the lactic acid rises right. enough to poison the the right hormones. Which I mean, isn't that long an aerobic exercise? Is it? It's like a couple minutes. Yeah, a minute or two is enough. Yeah. A minute or two at a, a high heart rate, then followed by a break to let the heart rate go back down. I mean, is that? Yeah, and to get the the lactic acid under under control because it turns on the stress hormones that destroy your muscles and nerves and bones. And then the other downside of the uh, aerobic exercises that you constantly bring up is that the uh, you deplete your own CO2 stores. Yeah. Yeah, by taking taking too much oxygen, in, <laughs> which is another another point that oxygen's not always the good guy. I know we need it to live, to breathe, etc., but it's uh, not the thing we need to be striving for. I think most people that we see in we look at labs that most people's CO2 is fairly low. Yep. And uh, the uh, typical uh, well-trained long-distance runner has been found to have uh, basically defective lung function because the uh, chronic elevation of the lactic acid causes the thickening wow. of the air sacs, wow. uh, making the uh, path of oxygen diffusion longer, and, and so it poorly oxygenates their blood. Wow. So is it, a, is it a type of fibrosis from inflammation, or is it a different mechanism? Um, no, just, I think, water logging. Right, okay. okay. Wow. It, it does, the lactic acid does lead, 
first to, to the water logging, inflammation, and eventually to fibrosis. Okay, well, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM, and from now until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated to this month's topic on sugars. The number, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you live outside the area, it's 1-800-568-3723. That's 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Okay, so to carry on to carry on with sugars then, the... Uh, I think uh, what we probably should bring out again is that the um, the brown sugar movement, the the hip <coughs> and trendy uh, replacement to what was maligned early on as the white sugar uh, by many people. So it was uh, a hip thing to produce brown sugar, raw sugar, molasses, etc., etc., and it was a health food uh, replacement, uh, making a better replacement for the white sugar that we always had before. Say a little bit about brown sugar, because brown sugar itself is not particularly good, is it? Uh, in a, an extreme uh, situation of poverty, uh, the, the uh, crude brown foods, uh, brown bread, brown rice, uh, brown sugar, or molasses, uh, those are definitely important sources of nutrients. But uh, when people start eating uh, more fat and protein, uh, they um, can stand to lose the nutrients in those, and uh, they're gaining some freedom from uh, toxins and inflammation when they uh, reduce those brown substances. Uh, in molasses, uh, for example, it turns brown uh, partly because the uh, Sugars are being caramelized. Uh, the, the minerals uh, combined with heat and oxygen uh, for dehydrating the juices. Uh, the minerals catalyze the oxidation, and and you get uh, reactions combining uh, sugar molecules and changing them. And these become, to various degrees, toxic or pro-inflammatory, allergenic. And even even potentially carcinogenic. Is that that's correct, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I mean, we've all heard about the carcinogenic effect of a a, a burnt piece of toast or um, too many eating too many French fries that are really browned. And it's the same with brown sugar. It's a caramelization of the starch, or I mean, of the sugar that causes the um, allergenic and carcinogenic effect. Okay, we've got our first caller on the air. So let's take our first caller. Um, hi, I'm. Just, I heard you talking about sugar. My son's 34 now, and he drives me nuts about his sugar intake because I think sugar is really bad for you. And um, when we go out, like, to have breakfast or something, he will pour the sugar holder into his coffee. And I said, you know, don't you know that it causes diabetes or it affects diabetes and your teeth, your um, and he's had kidney stones, but whatever I say isn't going to hit him, and he just, you know, keeps using sugar. So uh, I don't understand because I didn't raise him particularly on a sugar-heavy diet. I, I believed in natural foods and everything. And so um, is there any information or where, where I can get some that would, in, um, you know, influence him that, about the bad things about sugar? 
Um, there's a natural tendency of people who have a some hormone imbalance, especially hypothyroidism, uh-huh. which, which makes your liver unable to store glycogen effectively, mm-hmm. um, it causes a natural craving for sugar. Hmm. A glycogen, just so you know, that is a storage yeah. form of sugar. And uh-huh. so you, t- you, you, you take in dietary sugars and then that gets converted to glycogen. It's a way of your body to store it up for later on. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, to be... I was always... Uh, extremely uh, craving sugar uh, and (laughs) generally uh, eating a lot until I took thyroid. Uh, I was um, probably about 40 years old when I first took thyroid Uh and uh, I suddenly had no more sugar cravings. I could go eight hours without uh, getting terribly hungry or shaky or uh, thinking about Things. Uh-huh. Well, that's good to know. Um, well, um, I'll just have to tell him, you know, he's got to ask his doctor. He said he's been tested for uh, diabetes and he doesn't have it, but, you know, uh, it's unhealthy what he's doing, pouring sugar into his, you know, coffee. And I, I'm, I don't know if that's just to irritate me or, you know, but it's obviously he doesn't care and he thinks it's cool. And then, and still he's had kidney stones and Aren't those influenced by sugar? Um, no, I don't think so. No? Uh, okay. Well, only in the sense, uh, uh, negative I sense. can hardly it, hear you, doctor. Uh, when you aren't uh, eating enough minerals, uh-huh. uh, for example, if you let the sugar displace uh, sources of calcium and magnesium mm-hmm. and protein, uh, then uh, you do tend to form stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, parathyroid hormone uh, and other inflammatory things tend to uh, create mineralization of soft tissues and formation of, of stones uh, in the kidneys, bladder, and, and uh, gallbladder. Wow. But, uh, well, what would, he, what would be the test that would give him the information he uh, needs? Uh, well, a vitamin D. Vitamin D. serum test for vitamin D3. Uh-huh. Is one relevant thing. I've had that. Well, um, and mine came out all normal and everything. So uh, I don't know, but anyway, that's good information. I will pass it on to my son. And the fact that he's adding that white sugar to his coffee uh-huh. is probably protective it's because thing, yeah. huh. coffee lowers your blood sugar. And if you have just pure black coffee, you'll actually end up lowering your blood sugar. And if he's someone who's craving a lot of sugars, uh-huh. that's probably why he's just, like, f- figured it out that if he has coffee, he better have sugar with it because it makes him feel better. Yeah, I take my coffee black. So I don't know. It's really, you know, weird it, for me. And it's um, going to be easier for his body to use the white sugar than it would be a big pile of pancakes. But he probably just craves all types of um, sugars, whether they come probably. from starches or sugar. Is he quite lean? No, he's, he's and he works really, really hard, uh, but he's stocky. Uh, he doesn't, I don't know, I know he likes ice cream and stuff, but it's mainly when I just see him dump like a sugar shaker into coffee, and, and we could be in an organic restaurant or whatever and <laughs> having healthy foods, and he's still got to have that sugar fix. And um, Well, his body's obviously telling him something, so... Yeah. He could get his, right, thyroid, cool. his, his thyroid checked and his vitamin D checked, and that would thyroid be a good place to D. start. Yeah, that would be a good start. Well, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. OK, well, we have another caller on the air, so let's take this one. You're on the air? Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, guys. This is um, Kesha. Hi, hey, Kesha. Kesha. <laughs> Hello. Um, well, first, I just want to really uh, uh, tell you how much I appreciate you guys bringing this information and um, to the airways. And I really want to encourage the listeners to really open, listen with an open heart and kind of put, you know, everything you've heard your whole life in the background and just take in the information that has it comes because, um, you know, this isn't readily available information. And um, But to get back to on that previous caller, you know, about the whole sh- sugar with the coffee and whatnot, uh, maybe you could uh, expound a little bit more on the whole key of balance and how when you do t- eat, consume sugar, how it is important to have it with the proper amount of fat and protein to slow down you know, the release of the sugar, the sugar, and vice versa, if you're going to have protein, you need the sugar to help uh, the body utilize or be able to utilize and break down the protein, as you know what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to um, encourage you guys to clarify that even more so that people really, as they do t- um, tune in, uh, even if they t- tune into the middle of the show and you, they hear all these great things about sugar, but to go back to the balance and also, um, uh, you know, I think it's great how you were explaining to add sugar into the coffee to help boost up your blood sugar, you know, and all of that. But anyway, I just want to th- thank you guys a lot. For- okay, Dr. Pete. Thank you, thank you for your call, Tessian. Yeah, the, the, um, But Dr. Pete, can you explain... <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Can you explain why it's so important to have a protein, when you have a protein, to have it with a fruit or honey or sugar because of the blood sugar lowering effect of the protein? Yeah, the amino acids in the protein themselves <laughs> are strong stimulants of the insulin secretion. And uh, when you don't take in sugar, uh, the insulin to dispose of the protein will lower your blood sugar and to uh, prevent the blood sugar going down uh, you tend to produce either adrenaline or cortisol or both and uh, um, if your liver didn't have the glycogen stored to release glucose under the influence of adrenaline then you uh, depend on cortisol to keep your blood sugar steady and cortisol activates the conversion of protein to sugar and fat. And so you've destroyed a big part of the protein that you've just eaten. Uh, I've seen people who were eating a couple of pounds of meat a day who um, were having signs of protein deficiency and getting fat. Uh, So to handle the protein efficiently, you need the glucose to um, make sure that your insulin isn't uh, lowering your blood sugar. Uh, you need either glucose or fructose uh, to steady your blood sugar. And the fat uh, does several things. The saturated fat works with fructose and insulin to handle your oxidation of the glucose. And the fat also uh, slows the absorption so that you don't get a, a surge of uh, fat 
uh, a surge of glucose in your blood uh, from eating, say, a, a coffee with sugar. And the coffee, like the glucose, uh, stimulates your metabolic rate. And both of those, uh, by increasing your metabolic rate, are going to increase your general nutritional requirements. Uh, minerals and all of the vitamins have to be uh, adequate. Uh, and if you substitute the sugar uh, for uh, things like uh, fruit, milk, cheese, shellfish, eggs, and so on, uh, then you're very likely to become deficient. Uh, biotin and vitamin B6 and panathenic acid and uh, selenium and copper are things that are among the first to become deficient if you uh, try to run on too much uh, coffee and sugar and not enough food. So, yeah, as much as, um, you know, the fructose helps people's cells pick up the sugar and there's all these anti-inflammatory effects from eating fructose or fruit or honey or sugar, everything has to be kept in a balance is what I guess you're trying to say here, Dr. Pete, with the correct nutritional balance of proteins and, and good saturated fats, coconut oil and butter. Otherwise, you will suffer a, a deficiency from either too much protein or too many sugars. <laughs> Okay, well, just so people can uh, get a, a list of some of the top fructose sources that also don't just have fructose, they have fructose and glucose, but they're uh, things that you'd expect like dates. Uh, dates are 32% fructose. Uh, they contain B vitamins, uh, potassium, calcium, and iron. I know, uh, Dr. Pete, you're not too big on iron because iron's a particularly inflammatory iron. And uh, But when it's with the... Um the other minerals that does help protect you from overloading yeah. on iron. Yeah, we're not talking about just over iron consumption. Okay, and then raisins. Uh, raisins uh, in the same kind of group as dates. They're 30 percent fructose, uh, antioxidant rich. And then agave. You know, now, what do you think about agave? Because agave nectar has been touted as a very good uh, replacement, and it actually contains about 43 percent fructose, as well as the fructans. The polymers are fructose, and, and they're also found in asparagus and artichokes. Yeah, uh, the fact that they mentioned the fructans, uh, I think, probably means that it's being produced enzymically from mm -hmm. the core of the agave plant rather right. than from the juice. Because that's a waste product, if you like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> of tequila production. Yeah. Uh, using spent raw material. And so, Dr. can you give us some examples of some good food combining for uh, protein, fat, and uh, good sugar? Oh, um, uh, fruit and cheese would be a basic thing for snacks as well as meals. Grapes and cheese. Mm, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we have another caller on the air, so let's take this uh, other caller. You're on Hi, the yes, great show. And... Um, First, uh, I wanted to mention, Dr. Pete, whatever you did when that woman said that she couldn't hear you, I haven't heard you better on this show uh, than when whatever you did was that, so keep doing it. I know Michael McCaskill does everything he can to keep everyone's levels good, but I, I have a little trouble hearing to start with, and sometimes it is hard to hear your wisdom, and, and I really appreciate what you bring to the air. Um, you know, it, it's come up in recent uh, news reports that 
it, it seems like under constant attack are the natural substances on the earth. What with Rossum Foods being attacked by the food rallies and the federal forces going in and dumping this raw milk, and then uh, what's going on recently with medicinal marijuana here after Obama told us it was going to be left alone if it was legal in the states where it was legal. And I understand Phoenix and states uh, all along the west in Colorado and, of course, right here in our own backyard have been attacked. And it always amazes me that the people who put out chemical concoctions cooked up in a lab somewhere, call it Vioxx, say it's safe and kill a bunch of people before it's taken off the market but nobody goes to jail, uh, versus the people who are taken to jail because their food is inherently dangerous when it's natural. I don't get it. But you guys are on the front lines, and I really, really appreciate you bringing it back to Mother Nature and bringing it home because it, this is provided for us, and you all are explaining what it does as it's been provided for us. So thank you. And um, I, I wanted to ask specifically about dextrose. Dextrose, from what I gather in my research, is basically that spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down because I don't see dextrose mixed in with much of anything else but medicine. And I'm curious as to the function and purpose of dextrose, uh, what it's really all about. And uh, also, since Steve Jobs recently passed and pancreatic cancer was uh, related to that, I understand he used to stay up for days at a time working on his inventions, a lot of coffee, and uh, but he also ate a lot of health food. If maybe you could address um, the aspects again of, because I was having a little trouble hearing this, of uh, what can help regenerate those pancreatic cells and what can adversely affect them uh, as far as benefits of coffee and, you know, keeping that in balance. So dextrose and uh, pancreas, that's kind of the basic questions. And thanks again for all that every one of you do. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Cool. Thank Dr. you for Pete. your call. What do you think of dextrose, Dr. Pete? Um, well, glucose, uh, it's... Um, just the other word for, for glucose, uh, and uh, starch turns into that, and it, it isn't, it, it's great stuff in itself when it's uh, in the right balance with other things, including a little bit of fructose always, and uh, saturated fat and, and minerals and vitamins. Uh, the, the dextrose or glucose itself is a factor in helping the pancreas to regenerate. It's the polyunsaturated fats which misdirect the metabolism of glucose and fructose. And uh, the, the uh, polyunsaturated fats that are creating the epidemic of diabetes and obesity and uh, later uh, all of the degenerative diseases, uh, cancer and Alzheimer's and so on. Hi, this is your engineer. I have a question. Do they call it dextrose when it's being used industrially instead of a food, or how do they call it dextrose instead of glucose? Um, it, it just has to do with the uh, optical rotation of it. It's uh, just a, a different uh, chemical history of, of the way they, they name the molecules. They, uh, fructose was called levulose. Uh, because it turns the light to the left. <laughs> okay, so basically dextrose just gets broken down into glucose. No, these, it, it, it is, is glucose. glucose. It is glucose, yeah. okay. Oh, there's another <coughs> caller on the air, so let's take this next caller. Hello, is that me? You're on the air, yeah. Hi, yeah. I would like to ask the doctor 
Um, okay, I've stopped eating meat, beef. Basically, I ate a little bit of lamb, and I eat a little pork, and I eat a lot of fish. Um, I stopped drinking coffee. I stopped using mostly butter, and I stopped using milk altogether. And I'm curious about what is, because I have this, like, lower back condition, but I don't, I don't have the arthritis anymore that I had from all, from, from basically from beef, which I, I think was like, um, they call it uric acid. Um, but I have a, like a lower back condition and a, kind of a hip condition. And I was curious if there was a, you know, and I take, I take vitamin D3. Um, I take a, a, a soluble, uh, B12. Which is good, but I'm I'm kind of curious about what you know, what would be good, you know, because I don't I don't I don't use sugar at all. I mean, if I use anything, I use a little bit of honey. Um, but you know, like that. Anyway, honey. I'm going to get off the the thing here and and uh, well, wait a on minute. Air. Can you can you stay on the air because I think uh, Doctor Pete might have some questions for you. Okay, uh, but I can't hear. Oh right. Um, can, can you can you turn him up a little bit? Okay, Doctor Pete, can you um, try to talk a, uh, especially loud for this next caller here? I'll see. <laughs> um, honey has all of the virtues of ordinary uh, sucrose, uh, and White it has sugar. some special benefits, such as um, antiseptic materials that the bees collect from the flowers but basically also, it, i also it, understand that they they uh, there was uh, some old chinese princesses that were preserved in honey that are still like okay and yeah. honey's still edible yeah um ordinary white sugar has many of those same properties uh, they've done major surgery like chest surgery where they didn't have antibiotics and they just filled the hole with white crystalline sugar and the person recovered and had uh, fewer scars than would have happened if they had used antibiotics really uh, but, that's uh, fascinating honey has, that's actually that's that's fascinating uh, yeah i've got some of the references in my uh diabetes and sugar did, newsletter. Did, you, did you hear did you hear my questions um yeah uh, i think uh the, the you probably had uh, a slight uh, weakness of thyroid function. Uh, meat eaters often get, if they eat too much meat in relation to their thyroid function, they all often get symptoms, including arthritis. Uh, uh. And uh, the low back symptoms are very common in a thyroid problem. So you want to check your temperature and pulse rate and maybe have your your thyroid function checked, but uh, sometimes just a, a daily raw carrot will uh, help the uh, make up for the thyroid deficiency by reducing the uh, bacterial toxins that poison your liver and interfere with thyroid function. Okay, and what about kidney? Same thing. Uh, the endotoxin absorbed from uh, poorly digested uh, plant material uh, uh -huh. is the main thing that uh, the endotoxin 
interferes with glucose or, or sugar oxidation and prevents the activation of the thyroid hormone, and then that uh, leads to all of the inflammatory things, and especially cartilage, uh, the uh, discs between vertebrae uh, tend to swell or become soft uh, when you're uh, thyroid deficient and uh, having endotoxin. Okay. What, uh, what, what, I, what I was saying was that like, I stopped taking any, any uh, basic dairy. I do, do a little butter and a little bit of yogurt, but I don't do any milk. I don't do any beef. What about eggs? Uh, I don't do any, um, pardon me? Eggs. Eggs. No, I eat eggs maybe twice a week. Um, you want to try to get at least 80 grams of good protein every day. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no, I understand the protein. I eat, I eat lamb. I eat a lot of, you know, a lot of fish and stuff, but I, I stopped doing milk, coffee, sugar, you know, white sugar, and and beef, basically. What about fruit, like orange juice? Um, I'm not too into orange juice. I mean, I can I can use it, but it, it tends to make me uh, rather phlegmy in my throat. Well, uh, dates and grapes, raisins. I love all that stuff. Uh, yeah, then uh, calcium, I eat him a lot. Calcium would be the main thing to concentrate on if you're eating enough uh, fish and and lamb uh, and eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you should maybe um, try powdering eggshells. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm a, I'm sorry to have to break okay, in. Yeah, here, okay. But, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get yeah, off the air and get somebody else on. No, no, we've only got two minutes left, so we need to wrap up. We the need show. to thank Dr. Pete for his generous uh, time and his wisdom. Thank you, Dr. Pete, so much for joining us. Okay. Um, okay, so people that have heard uh, this evening's show with Dr. Pete, uh, please go check his website. It's www.rayrayp.com. There's lots of uh, scientific reference articles uh, to back up everything that you've heard this evening and much, much more. Um, so his website is always a good source of impartial uh, information and uh, some of it, obviously, whilst counterculture, it's just open your eyes, folks. It's out there just for the looking and for those of you who have ears to hear. So until the third Friday of November, we've still got a, a minute and a half. Is only we're going to cut, cut off too short, but until the uh, third Friday of next month, November. November 18th. November the 18th. That'll be the clocks will be going back, and it'll be dark when we come in. Uh, so for those people, okay, our phone number. Let's just tell people our phone number, shall we? Okay, uh, our numbers. Sarah, how about you? What's that? There you go. Um, if you want to, if you live in the area, it's 707-986-9506. Or if you live outside of the area, we have a toll-free number that's 1-888-WBM-HERB, which is 926-4372. And thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate all of our callers calling in and all the support. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And don't forget, uh, Pledge Drive, all you KMAD listeners. Pledge Drive is coming up next week. I think it was the 26th of October. Is that right, Michael? Yeah, October 26th. Great. So those people that have heard and listened, uh, how about pledging a little bit to help KMUD keep doing what we're doing, all, every one of us? Okay. Have a great week, and uh, see you next month. Good night.
And Kema thanks our business underwriters for their continued support of our community radio station. To find out how your business can help Kema and to get your message out at the same time, call the business office at 923-2513. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive.